Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome to episode 120 of the Grace, Peace, and Balance podcast by Gabi Abdelgadir. Today, I have another incredible human that I'm interviewing. You would love him and you would love his story, and he's going to inspire so many young generations, in particular the male generation. I'm guessing that's my thing, any generation, but mostly the, the male generation, young generation. So this is his bio. On September 29, 2016, Justin Dumforth was released from the North Carolina Department of Corrections after serving 14 years and four months. While serving time, Justin picked up as much education as he could, including but not limited to a two-year associate degree in electronical engineering technologies, numerous vocational trades and technical skills moving from student to assistant instructor. He worked hard to become a leader, an organizer, and an example of how to turn around a life. Today, Justin is an entrepreneur while staying committed to reaching out to others. He gives motivational and inspirational speeches. Justin, be Justin has become a positive influence and voice to all those struggling with vices exactly limiting beliefs and self-awareness, sharing what he has learned about living a life of purpose over pleasure. Welcome to my podcast. I can't wait to have a conversation with you, Justin. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay, so tell us, like you, what age were you when you got into prison and why did you get into prison? Yeah, so I when I first turned 21 um, is when I went to prison um, is when I got initially got incarcerated. I actually went to county jail first and I sat in county jail for 23 months waiting to be sentenced, tried and sentenced. Okay. Um, and you said, why? Yeah. So, yes. So I, um, I was locked up and charged with first degree murder oh at my 21. Goodness. Okay. And now when I first got locked up, I only had an eighth grade education. Okay. So at 21, I went to prison for murder. Now, um, I was facing a life sentence without the possibility without the possibility of parole. parole. Yeah. Oh, my right. God. Mm -hmm. um, that being the case, um, my daughter was 10 months old. Wow. So right when it was time to go to trial, about two months before I was facing trial for the first degree murder charge, my lawyer came to me and he says, you're going to lose. He said, you're going to lose this case. The jury's going to find you guilty. You will get a life sentence and you will never see your daughter outside of prison gates again. Why did he say that? That was harsh. Yes. Um, so, yeah, you can imagine, you know, what was going through my mind at that age. Yeah. And so he had a, a plea offer from the DA, which was second degree. Okay. And, and that that offer was for the 14 years and four months to 17 years and nine months. Okay. So it starts out at 17 years and nine months. So that's what I originally went to prison for, 17 years and nine months. Okay. And then, of course, throughout the, the span of my incarceration, I was able to get that down to 14 years and four months by not getting into trouble, by taking certain programs and doing all of the things that they acquire you to do in order to get what they call good time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's when you started reading. Who gave you the first book uh, when you were in prison? 
Oh, nobody gave me the first book. I um, I was I had a what we call a a street mentality when I went to prison. Okay. So I was reading a lot of like Donald Goins books and and uh, Iceberg Slim books, like a lot of street novels, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and and all of that was doing was just playing a, a part in the mindset that I had at that time. Yeah. Because again, when I first went to when I first went to prison, it took me three to almost four years, the first four years, to realize for reality to sink in that, man, I'm not going home for another decade plus. So that was the unfortunate the most unfortunate part was my mindset was still stuck where it was at and I was living life as if nothing ever changed. Yeah. Um so the first personal development self-help book that I picked up, I just went to what they call the library and um, and and found a Dale Carnegie book, Stop Worrying and Start Living. Yes. Oh, my God. Was, I love that book. Yeah. I read it years so that, ago. That yeah. was the first one. That was the very first one. And um, it just it had a domino effect from there in terms of my my reading, Mindset. my studying and, and my personal growth and development from that point on. Um, and that stemmed from the reason I picked up that book. It stemmed from um, I went to I signed up for a GED mm -hmm. because, again, I only had an eighth grade education. Yes. And I said, well, I wanted I wanted for my mother to at least be proud of me for something that I've done in my life, because up to that point, there was nothing that she could really be proud of. Now, she loved me. She was you know, she was there, but there was nothing that. I felt like she could really be proud of. So I said, well, I can at least get a GED yeah. while, while in prison. Um, I scored so high on the GED that I was offered the position to be the teacher's assistant to help other guys in the, in the facility get their GED. Oh, wow. That's and amazing. That was, thank you. And that was a paid position, a position. It was one of the highest paying positions in prison, which is $1 a day. Oh, Wow. Really? One dollar a day, eight hour shifts for one dollar. Um, and so I was a teacher's assistant, and 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 that gave me confidence, built my self esteem a little bit. It 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 allowed me, it it, it informed me that I can do better, I can do more. Yes. And so that was that uh, that other stepping stone. Um, I went from there to, like I said, I picked up the books started started changing my mindset i started developing my, my morning program which is something that that i teach now is my structure is a certain thing certain things that i do every single day to start the day off of nothing but wins so that they come they they uh compound into more wins yeah throughout the week's time mm -hmm. oh wow that is incredible and then you did your associate degrees still while you were in prison? Yes. So after I got my GED, um, I went and took, I took a bunch of vocational courses like yeah. carpentry one and two and welding, um, HVAC. I got a state certification in HVAC, which is heating, ventilation, and air conditioning, things like that. So yeah. I took all the trades that I could take. And I, originally I signed up for a two-year for the two-year associates program, and um, I failed the reading portion of the placement test. 
I didn't score high enough to for them to place me in the in the program. Mm -hmm. So it was going to be 18 months before I could sign up again. So what I did was I transferred to another facility, signed up for some other vocational courses because you only had only had to have a GED as a requirement to get into those classes. Yes. I started reading more and more and more. And I just kept reading and reading. Came back 18 months later, took the reading portion placement test again and scored higher than anybody else. Good job. Yeah. So, so you know, the, the thing to, to point out here is that the more you do something, the better you become at it, right? The, the, the old cliche of practice makes perfect. Um, and the more you put into it, the more you'll get out of it. So when did you get to see your daughter then during this time? Was she allowed to visit? Yes, yes. So my mother raised my daughter while I was incarcerated, and she would bring her every couple of weeks because I was out of state. So sometimes that the sometimes the drive would be eight hours one oh, way. Wow. Yeah. And um and my mother, she was a trooper. Um, and she would bring my daughter to see me regularly. How old is she now? Now she's 21. She'll be 22 in July. Okay. Oh my God. So you're she's living with you now? Is she living she, with we, you? That's a great question. Um, we just she just moved out uh Right, it was today, Tuesday. She just moved out over the weekend, Friday. She moved out to live on her own. To live on, she has, yes, yeah, she lives yep. on her own. She yeah, has she's a, 21, yeah. She has a nine month old baby, so I'm a grandfather. Oh, wow, congratulations! Yeah, yeah, yep. oh my god, you're an old guy now that you're a grandpa. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh, I can't wait to be a grandma. I love children. I love babies. Um, yeah, so you left prison. What was the first step you took after you left prison? By that time, you have read a lot of personal growth and leadership books in addition to your degrees and to your education, right? So what was the first thing you decided to do? Was it a job or was it to attend seminars? What was the next step? for you when you left prison? So that's a great question. Two years prior to my release, I started planning for my release. Oh wow. So I um I was I was able I got to what they call a minimum custody level. Mm -hmm. And um I was able to have go out into the community twice a week for six hours with a certified volunteer. Okay. So somebody would come pick me up, take me out to, to the community. Sometimes we would go to like um, out to eat, go to you go to different services, whether it was a church service or different programs and things like that outside of prison. And then they bring me back okay. twice a week for six hours. I didn't go every week, but um, what I did sign up for was to go speak. So I would go speak to at risk youth um, like YMCA has, YMCA has programs I would go speak to at their boys and girls clubs, churches and things like that. One of the one of the times I went to speak was at an adult um, support group for incarcerated individuals. Mm -hmm. And it was it because it was a support group for incarcerated individuals. At the end of my speech, I told them, I said, all of those are here to help. That want to help and give support to those of us that are incarcerated. I need a couch. And they laughed. Okay. And I'm, I said, I'm serious. 
And they were, what do you need a couch for? You still had two years, two years left. I said, because I don't have a couch. Because in my mind, I'm 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 getting out at some point. And when I get out, I can't wait to the day that I get out to have to just have money to buy a couch and all the things that I'm gonna need. Mm-hmm. So what I did was I formulated a plan. I, I typed up a flyer. Um, I had access to a desktop and Microsoft Word, just not internet, because mm-hmm. I was a teacher's assistant. I could use the computer. I just couldn't have internet. Mm-hmm. So I typed up a flyer with an itemized list and the cost of everything. The cost came from, um, I would call home and ask my mother, get me the price on this, 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 and this. Mm-hmm. So I built out an itemized list and I sent out um, a list to everybody who was a friend or family or somebody I had met that said they would help or support. Um, so the very first thing I did was I would call and I'd say, hey, you said you didn't mind helping if there's anything I ever needed. I need a pack of boxers. If you could Friday when you get paid or whenever you get paid on your next check, could I have a pack of boxers? And they were like, a pack of boxers? Oh, you're coming home? I'm like, no, I'm not coming home yet. I just need, can you give me a pack of boxers and ship it to my mother's house? They said, sure. Mm -hmm. I call somebody else. Hey, would you mind getting me a pack of socks and a belt? And I built a whole wardrobe by doing that. I knew that I was getting out on um, September 29th, which is the fall season. So I would need a winter jacket. And I would need a hat to cover my ears. Yeah. And so that's what I did. I asked anybody that was willing to help if they would donate that and ship it to my mom. So I had this box put together of everything I needed from from underclothes to I had work pants and then dress pants because that's what I knew I would need. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I, I had to have a place to live in the state of North Carolina or else they would release me to the county sheriff and he would lock me back up in jail. Oh my god. For a violation of parole. Okay. Because I didn't have a home if I did not have a place to live. So I was on the backlog for some homeless shelters. During that time, um, I was down to about six months left. I found somebody who would rent me a um a double wide trailer. It was a two bedroom, two bath trailer. So I had a room for my daughter. Um when I was getting out, that's what I was looking for. I sent out 101 letters of um, an itemized list of what I needed for first months, last months, internet, in, um, light bill, and cell phone. And I raised enough money. I raised $3,000 was exactly enough. So your question was, what did I do when I first got out? Yeah. I went straight to DMV and got my driver's license. I went from the prison gate to DMV. I already had, I had my mother call and schedule me an appointment to take the driver's part of the test because prior to that, um, 30 days before my release, I went out on a pass on my, one of my six hours pass. I went to DMV and took the written and the eye exam. Okay. The only part I was not allowed to take was the driving part because I was incarcerated. Yes. So I went straight to DMV. I left DMV with a driver's license, the paper copy. They mail you your hard copy. But I left DMV with a driver's license, went straight to the um, electric company, had the lights turned on, and went straight from there to the um, cable company and had internet turned on at the place that I was going to be living at. Mm 
Yes. When I walked into the door of the place that I was living at, or that I was renting, the double wide trailer, well, um, my mom, my daughter, my sister were with me. We got there. I already had them go there and put all the non-perishable spices, oh. foods in the cupboards, dishes, um, comforters, all the linen. In the, in the in on the beds and everything was made up. I even I even thought far enough ahead to get a shower mat and shower curtain for when you wow. step out of the shower onto a mat. Yeah, because you were so organized, Justin. This is all before you you got everything organized before you left prison. Yes, Incredible. and the reason because I seen so many guys go get out and come back. They got yeah. out and they come back yeah. and they were doing eight years, 15 years, 10, 20 years. And they were coming back within 12 to 24 months. And I just sat there and all I wanted to do was get out one time. I said, if, if, if they would just let me out one time, they would never have to worry about me again. Yes. true. And I used to ask these guys, man, what happened? And what, what, what I come to find out was a lot of them had this unfulfillment. Right. They, they had some kind of void that they were trying to fill every time they got out, whether it was one more drug package, one more um, high. If they were, you know, it was drugs or alcohol, whatever their 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 vice was, whatever their their thing was, they would they were just chasing it. It was unfulfilled. And for me, it was the it was the exact opposite. In my mind, I had already done all of that because I did. What, what I was yearning for was a domestic lifestyle. Yeah. I had never lived a domestic lifestyle prior to going to prison. I never got up every day and 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 paid my bills on time and woke up next to the same woman every day, cut grass and and things like a normal person or you know would do. Does, yeah. would do. So I, I I matured through reading and learned through sitcoms and novels. I read all of Nicholas Sparks books. I'm still a hopeless romantic. That's still a work in progress. Yeah. But <laughs> but I've, I've read all all of those books, learning how to live a domestic lifestyle, what it is to be in a relationship. Because um, I knew that I was gonna get a wife. So nine months after my release, I found a wife. Oh. And and we're still married today, and it's been six June will be six years. Congratulations! I'm so happy for you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. But um, so it, it, it all developed out of me learning to understand what my mindset, what, what is it I'm thinking, why I'm thinking, or what is it I'm doing and why I'm doing it. Yeah, and then you got a job. You started looking for work, I'm guessing, as soon as you were settled in your new place. So I already had... Um, I used to tell my mother that during visitation, I need a pickup truck. If I have a pickup truck, I'll have money in my pocket because with a pickup truck, you can you can do so many things. It, I mean, you can just move furniture, haul trash, um, just all the things that you can do with a pickup truck. Mm -hmm. So um, I also was able to find somebody to let me take over the payments on a pickup truck upon my release. So that's what I, I had a vehicle as soon as I came home. Mm -hmm. prior to getting out 
already had jobs lined up using my pickup truck to do um, landscaping. So yes, I, I already had a job from day one. I started work the, the very next day. Oh, wow. I went to work doing landscaping and personal fitness training. Um, I did. I, I was doing personal fitness training and then I, I got a job at a restaurant at nights. So I was doing all three of those when I first came home. Incredible, incredible. How did you get into motivational speaking and to leadership? Be, okay, yeah, great question. Because like I said, I was going, when I was the um, helping the GED teacher, helping other guys to get their GED, it was called GED slash ABE, which is Adult Basic Education. Okay. So, because there are some of them, some of those who just, their literacy skills, they're not going to get a GED, but they still need basic education. Yes. And the um, the teacher and I, we would sit during breaks or, you know, after class and all, we would have these discussions like, how do we reach certain individuals? Some of them just didn't want to be there. They were only in the class to get to the next level of prison. Oh there's there's certain programs you have to take in order to, to move forward, right? So um, it's like, how do we get across to some of these individuals? And so that's how it became the spark to want to um, help, right? Just get the message across, like you can do more. And then I got into speaking by joining a program. It was called... Um, Think smart. So it's the it was the the today's version of scared straight back in the day. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Oh. Where scared straight, um, they would guy they would take kids into the prisons, um, and the guys in prison would like just scare the kids. You know they would okay oh like show wow. them what prison's really about. Okay, we weren't allowed to do but so much. You know, they changed a lot of rules and things that you, you could could and couldn't do. But one of the things that we, we were able to do was go and be a voice and use our voice to emphasize right and wrong and how we got to where we were at and why we, we you know, why there's the need to make a change. Right. Or a difference. Yeah. So that's how I got into speaking and leadership. What I found was I spoke to a lot to a large crowds of um, kids, young adults, and then their parents. Their parents used to come to me in tears and thank me for sharing my story because now it gave them insight on why their child is acting the way they're acting. Some of the kids, a, a lot of the kids thanked me and they and, and, and they appreciated it. Some of them were just still stuck in their ways. You know, they don't want to hear that. They were they were made to be there, whether it was court ordered or their parents drug them there, right? But um, so the the need, I could feel that the need for it. Like there's oh, a yeah. need for us to be a role model, to be that example, to have that leadership. Absolutely, hundred yeah. percent. My one question about prison, was it, did you ever feel unsafe when you were in prison at all? Is it safe? <laughs> no, there's a lot of fear, pain, and discomfort with prison. No, yeah. never felt safe. Even, never. even when my door was locked 
and I'm in the cell by myself, I still do not feel safe because there were so many incidences where it could be two or three o'clock in the morning. They bust your door and come running in there. Really? Yes. What um, would they and, do? Like they fight or what do they want? Why do why would they do that in prison? So it, it would be officers that, that bust your door and run in and they 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 get you out of bed and you're 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 thrown against the wall, you're handcuffed, you're made to stand outside of your cell while they search your cell. Oh they, they're so doing that looking for something, yeah. Um, and it could be random. So you just you never feel safe. You never feel safe. This is what yes. the kids, these young kids need to know. It's not a safe place. Thank goodness you're like safe and uh, you came out and you become a leader and you a role model to all this young generation. And um, yeah, thank you for who you are. That's all I wanted to say. So what are you doing right now? You're an entrepreneur. I know you're yes. a motivational speaker. You're an entrepreneur. What are you doing right now? Yeah, so currently... Um... About 18 months after my release, um, I was working around the clock, seven days a week. My wife, she was working three jobs, five to six days a week. We did it for a reason. Again, I'm a planner. So yeah, we did it for a reason. Them. We said we're going to do this for 12 months. And then we started a real estate investing company. Oh, wow. Seriously? Yes. Yes. So now we have a portfolio of rental properties, corporate rentals, Airbnbs. Um, and we we also coach real estate investing. Um, we have students that we coach, and then we have we also have a couple other businesses. Um, one of which is my my main focus now, it, which is my mindset, fitness, and nutrition, where I help people obtain the discipline it takes to become the best version of themselves through fitness and nutrition. I think I need that seriously. Like you know. I, yeah, yeah we all do. I know. <laughs> we all do. I, I know I'm not a very good eater and I'm not like, uh, you know, I haven't been exercising forever. And uh, yeah, anyway, that's a completely different conversation for another call. Um, so that I would is love what to have you, it with you. <laughs> I know, eh? seriously. Thank you. And um, yeah, so that is what you do, right? I didn't know about the real estate thing. That's news to me. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, so tiny homes and uh, are very huge right now. Are you thinking of building tiny homes for people to retire on or people who want to save money, um, you know, spend money? I am obsessed. I am like I have so many YouTube channels that I'm subscribed to to watch tiny homes or um, what are the van life? There is something called the van life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That. yeah. So I don't know if you're working on those because they're becoming huge right now. Yeah, and you're right. Um, so my wife went today to look at some land. So we're looking at buying a, some property and, and doing a tiny home community. Yay! With a, it's going to be a theme. It's going to be themed in where to be um, Airbnb. Okay, where abouts is it going to be? The land we're looking at is in South Carolina, and then we have some land we're looking at in North Carolina, Fayetteville, North Carolina, and um, right here in uh, Lawrence, uh, Florence, South Carolina. Okay. Do you guys get snow in that area or no? No. Nah. Okay. If we do, it's 
very minimal. You don't, you don't not call like it snow. You don't count it as snow. Yeah. Okay. Oh, wow. That is incredible. And I want to hear about it. And I also have friends in the U.S. that could be interested in that. So Definitely. when you start it, let's have a conversation. Okay. I can connect you for quite a few of them. Yeah, so that was an incredible conversation. Beautiful story, inspiring story. What is one advice you want to give to listeners and people who are watching right now who are parents? First, let's start with the parents. What advice would you give them? The advice I would give to parents who are faced with the trouble of what their kids may be going yeah. through if they're doing something would be to communicate, have a conversation with them, let them know that they're there for them. So this is the conversation I used to have with my daughter during visitation when she was, when she was about preteen, 12 years old. I let her know, I said, I'm not the type of dad who's going to make decisions for you. Like if if I play baseball, you're going to play baseball. Or if I went to whatever university, you're going to go to that university. I'm not going to make decisions for you. You're going to make your own decisions. What I want you to do is when you're faced with any decision is come to me. Be open. No matter what it is, and I'm just going to tell you the good if you make if you make the decision, this is what's going to happen or the consequence if you make this decision and you make your own decision. And I, and, I, and I was very blunt with her at that age. I said, I don't care if you decide to smoke crack. I'm going to tell you the, 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 the disadvantage. Well, there's no advantage of smoking crack, but whatever the, the, the consequences or the repercussions is behind the decision making. Right. Yeah. You're going to make the at the end of the day, you're going to make the decision anyways. Just know that I've got your back. I do not support you in that decision to smoke crack if that was the case, but I'm still here for you. You can still always come to me. So that would be my advice mic is to drop. have a conversation. Yeah, that that needs a mic drop. Incredible. Thank you so much. And what about, what advice would you give to all these young folks who are lost in this planet right now, who are like killing each other. It's going a lot like 13 year olds having guns right now, killing in high schools and junior schools. What advice would you give to all this young generation that is lost? That's, that's such, it's a great question. Um, there's, there's, there's so many different ways to answer that. Mm -hmm. um, and I almost hesitate to, to lean towards what I would naturally want to say um, because a lot of it is it's, it's relative to the individual, right? It's relative to that child. Why we, we need to understand why are they doing it? Is it because of where they come from? Is it because of um, their, their mindset, their low self-esteem, low confidence, are they trying to, are they people pleasers? Like that's one. Yeah. So are they doing it just because they think that's what people want to see them do? Are they doing it for acceptance because they don't get it at home? Um, are they doing it for love? 
attention. So that's the that's the thing. So there's I can't say there's no one advice to give, but if I would give any advice across the board to anybody who is doing something they, they shouldn't be doing, whether it's it's even if it's just illegal drugs or something as much as killing somebody, um, it would just be to reconsider the act you you're 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 wanting to do reconsider it and figure out why it is you'd rather do that instead of becoming more oh my god boom another mic drop <laughs> oh my god that is beautiful beautiful yeah they need to listen to this so one last question about leadership. What makes a leader a great leader, in your opinion? Oh, I love this question. So, in my opinion, a great leader is an excellent follower. Okay, explain that. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, who, who... Like we all have to have somebody else. There's always somebody better than us. True. Right. And so if I was to take, if I was going to take advice from somebody, I want to know where they got it from. Yeah. So a lot of people would lean into some of the, the, the great men or women that we've known from the past, right? Whether yes. it's the prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, whether it's Jesus, these were these were somebody to follow. Yes. They were upright individuals. Whether yeah. it was it was Malcolm X or, Do or Dr. Martin Luther King, these were these are people who were role models who set a precedence over how an individual should walk, talk, and be. Yeah. So a great leader, I feel should be a, an excellent follower. Yeah. Before he becomes a leader to others, he had to be a follower. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful advice. Thank you so much. I Thank really you. enjoyed it. That is that was very powerful. And uh, yeah, I will be posting your bio and your social media links both on Podbean and on YouTube. And I would like everybody to please, 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 if you are in schools or universities or community centers in his area, please get in touch with him. Have him come speak to all the youth, especially those that you feel that are getting lost in this challenging time. So thank you very much. I thank can't you. wait to have you another on second, a second round. Looking forward to it. Okay, thank you. One all second, right. yeah.